Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show. With Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. It is October 30th, 2016, and I'm joined here at the studio helm by my brother in the market and co-host, Sifu Robert Deal. Sifu Bob, how's it going today, man? Hey, uh, well, it's raining, a little chilly in L.A. Uh, oh, what's like chilly? It's forever since I've been on the show. What's, what's chilly? What is chilly? 65. You know, I wear a t-shirt <laughs> in Seattle weather with that. But <clears throat> anyhow, yeah, it feels like it's been forever. It's been like what? Um, two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks that we didn't have a show. That was a we live. Were... Yeah, yeah. So we were live a couple weeks ago. And uh, and before that, we, no, wait, we were we were live right after the Gathering of Champions. And then, gosh, yeah, it's been weeks. such, yeah, and it's been such a long, long two weeks. I don't remember what happened last Sunday. <laughs> what, what happened know, last right? Sunday? What, what, why didn't we do a show? Uh, I don't USA remember why we... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame, that was, that was really fun. Uh, a lot of great people there, and I finally got to meet, in person, the person that we're going to have for tonight's guest. So stay tuned, folks, because after our first segment... We're going to have Alvin Goldie Mack joining us a little oh, bit later. Our phone lines will open at 630. Okay. You know, you were there, and I said, you know, I text her. You know, you, you tell me you're going to talk to Goldie Mack. I said, you know what? Ask him when he's going to be on the show. Right. I thought you just nailed him right there. Well, it didn't happen. And I said, you know what? Screw it. He, told, he gave me his personal phone number about a year and a half ago. Anytime you want me on the show, call me. <laughs> so I and texted him, and he says, and, and I did. I, well, I texted him, and I said, do you have time this Sunday? Yeah. And he says, anything for you. And, and I texted him back, and I go, wait a minute. This is Bob, not Rusty. I thought, <laughs> well, maybe he likes you. Maybe he's not crazy about me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Well, I finally got to meet him last weekend. So stay tuned, folks, because we're going to open up our phone lines at 630. And uh, that's when uh, Sifu Mack will be joining us uh, at around 630. So if you want to talk directly to him and say hi to us and join the conversation of whatever we're talking about, our phone number, when we open the phone lines at 630, <laughs> is 347 
877-607-0699. Of course, you can call in at any time. However, we're not going to open the phone lines until 630, and you can listen to the show. Um, on your phone, and that's what some people do in their cars if they, you know, if they don't want to stream it live off of Facebook or Blog Talk Radio or whatever. So um, that's fine too. All right, so yeah, stay tuned for Sifu Goldie Mac joining us at around six thirty. So let's uh, get back my, to the my show. Daughters here for the weekend, Rusty. Oh, right on. Daughters here for the weekend. Going to right Disneyland on. now. This is how I feel old. Okay, this is my old moment for the weekend. My okay. daughter, and my wife, go to. My 30-year-old niece's bridal shower yesterday, okay? Okay. My sister-in-law was pregnant with this niece. And now she's wedding. getting married. And, and now yeah, she's yeah. getting married. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't that make you feel old? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I'm sorry. I told somebody I've got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel. <laughs> so, now. That gets a real shot. <laughs> I started driving for Uber because, you know, I've been driving for Lyft for, for about a year. But uh-huh. Uber is just busier. They're, they're more the household name, right? Okay. And I'm still going to get some good people. I've got some good rides. So I'm trying to – oh, God, this, this is going to come back and bite me so hard when I say it this way because mm. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now I'm looking forward to – now I'm looking forward to hearing what well, you have to say. Well, maybe not. I, I wouldn't say it like that. Because <laughs> okay. that may not, be, it may not come out that way. Okay. Uh, you know, one time I told you something about a crazy girl, and you're like, wait a minute. What? Define a crazy girl. Okay, I got one yesterday. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, this no. one was certifiably nuts. Beautiful oh, girl. Beautiful girl. Six in the morning. Now, for the past three, for the past few weeks, I've picked up some interesting people at six in the morning on the weekend. <laughs> I love how That's you say interesting. People. Well, two weeks, uh, uh, not two weeks, because I was off that weekend. But the week before, it was a a woman that ran to the car and said, "Hurry up! I'm trying to get away from these people." Last week, seven in the morning, I picked up a a, a drunk at seven in the morning, a drunk porn star. Uh. <laughs> and yesterday I picked, picked up this crazy girl at 6 in the morning. Now, the reason I say she was nuts is because she told me she was a star on a TV show that was a spinoff on Keeping Up with the Kardashians called Dash. And I've checked on it. Nobody's heard of it. Two, uh-huh. she told me her father is the ambassador to Germany. Three... She told me that when her father met Caitlyn Jenner, you know, Bruce Jenner as a woman, he uh-huh. hit on him. Whoa. You know, it was one of those compulsive liar things that, that when compulsive liars say something, it's so outlandish. It could never, right. ever be true, right? It's just so far out there that this girl's like, well, my father's the ambassador of Germany. How how do you hear that in your mind and not go to this person and go, bullshit? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's been 
my driving experience. Oh, no, the last one that happened this morning, I picked up three teenagers, well, two, teen, two 18-year-olds and a 23-year-old at the hospital at emergency because one of them was admitted into emergency because she drank way too much last night, and she's 18. What? And I had to share that with Bree. Now, the reason I shared that with Bree is to tell her, don't do anything stupid. And now, I I also told her that I'd be knocking on the party owner's door. Oh, why is that? Mm -hmm. Because he served somebody underage, and I'm going to hang him by, let's let's call them his toes for now. (laughs) 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 From a balcony somewhere. Oh, by man. Yeah. Well, so, you know, <laughs> guys, people like that that serve to underage people knowingly res- uh, serve to underage people, in my opinion, deserve a backhand. Because, uh, oh. you know, kids, you know, it, you, you were a teenager too. So was I. You know, <laughs> it's like crazy. Uh, anyway. Oh, yeah. She was doing what the alcohol bombs and she did like a whole bunch of shots and and I looked back yeah. Yeah, and you know her biggest fear her biggest fear is that she had to pay for the ambulance she had insurance she had to pay for the ambulance by her <coughs> debit card and now her parents are going to find out because they go through her bank statement well you know that's the least of her worries that's the least of her worries exactly I mean you know you reap what you sow <laughs> you reap what you sow. Anyway, so I have to exactly. share those little tidbits of experience that I've had in the last few weeks with crazy people. Right on. It's it's been kind of uh, uh, kind of slow over here. Um, other than the fact that that cold that I've had for like a month and a half resulted in an ear infection, and uh, yeah, so when I flew oh. back from from Burbank. On the 17th of October, um, landing was so painful. I thought for sure I must have, like, you know, torn an eardrum. It was that painful. All the way down through my neck, it was painful. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Um, and I figured, okay, whatever. It'll go away the next day or two or whatever, and it didn't. And I saw a uh, uh, a doctor this past uh, Monday, and she took one look in there and said, oh, my gosh, it's a good thing that you came to me when you did because if you waited a little longer, your eardrum might have ruptured. And I'm like, well, that explains why I'm totally deaf in that ear. And I'm still kind of deaf because there's still, you know, fluid back there that needs to drain out. And I've been on antibiotics and nasal steroids and all this other kind of stuff. But, yeah, uneventful except for that. So, let's get on with the show. What do we have for birthdays on your end there, Bob? Well, hell, I don't know. My, my notes aren't open. God, you, you know what? <laughs> you expect me to be ready for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, then I go to open Gmail and I open up Google Maps instead. Oh, moron. Oh, of course. <laughs> Oh, God. man. So, well, I'll go ahead and start, Sorry, then. There we go. Okay. Oh, okay. You go ahead and start. Today. Okay. Today. Uh, an ex-boss of mine, Brandon Butler, his birthday is today. Steve uh, okay. David Barola, his birthday is tomorrow. And, and Neil Harden, his birthday is also tomorrow. Do you have any birthdays on your end? 
I do. Um, uh, today, uh, one of uh, our black belts, Marina Kosenko, and uh, a former oh, student. Yeah, Lisa Thompson, a former student, and a uh, and a uh, another friend of mine, James Maxwell. And tomorrow, Halloween, Roseanne Musser. I don't know if it's Musser or Muser. I'm gonna guess it's Muser. Um, Neil Harden. Oh, you already said that. You already said Neil Harden. Um, and a Kaji Kambo sister, Allison Appen. And on the first, um, a uh, Chen Tai Chi uh, classmate of mine, Miranda Chen. <laughs> That's her name, believe it or not. <laughs> Chen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, whip maker, uh, Will Morgan. Um, on the sec- yeah. And on the second, Grandmaster Ron Liu. And on the fourth, Grandmaster Vince Palumbo. So for everyone having a birthday the week of through wow, already November, November 5th, this tune is for you. Hey, where's my, where's my birthday stuff? I lost my birthday. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yes, we are. We're, we are at announcements. Uh, do you have any cool announcements on your end there, Siku Bob? Not on my end. Oh, cool. Oh, hey. Um, good friend of ours recently welcomed a new addition to the family into the world. You know, want to tell us a little bit about that, Siku Bob? Oh, man, that's it. Put me on the spot. Well, our good, dear <laughs> friend that we actually got out here for the Masters Hall of Fame a year and a half ago, Tony Collins, uh, just had a baby. I cannot remember the middle name he gave her, but her first name is Liberty. Her last name Liberty. is Collins. We want to uh, uh, really wish Tony well and to, his, mm-hmm. and to enjoy his new family member. It's kind of exciting. It's, it's a little it baby is. girl. It is, and uh, welcome to our realm, Baby Liberty. May you be blessed. Awesome. Um, now, it's a little ways away. It's a couple weeks away, but I figure, you know, we might as well announce this. It's our anniversary show on the 13th. Uh, and this is our, what's the matter? <laughs> you have going on? making me just feel old because we've all, I can't believe we've been doing this four years already. Yeah, you hear you are grunting and stuff. I'm like, what is he going to do, puke? Yeah, you sound like you were going to puke, though. (laughs) No, No, it's it's our fourth anniversary show. Um, We aired our first episode 12th, right? November 12th, 2012. And uh, since the 12th this year is a Saturday, we're going to celebrate on the 13th. So tune in, folks. We already know that uh, we're going to have um, 
a periodic co-host, Michelle Manu, um, joining us, and our co-host, Kathy Long, will be joining us, too. Um, I hope so, because I know she's, I, she's moving. Uh, she's in the process of moving, so I don't know when she has to move. I mean, if she has to be out of her old, old place by the first of the month, she better get moving. <laughs> so, but anyway, so we're going to be joined by, uh, by those two, possibly Wayne Riley. And for any previous guests that have been on our show, please call in and join the party and help us celebrate four years on Blog Talk Radio and uh, recently bringing uh, Facebook live broadcasts to all of our listeners and fans. So help us celebrate. All right. Very cool. Um, I don't have any more announcements on my end. Do you see who Bob? Yeah, Rusty, I've never called the people who listen. I've never called fans. Maybe they're fans of yours. They just tolerate me. <laughs> if they listen the to this, say, well, we really like Rusty. Bob can go screw himself. A little tolerate. <laughs> no, if they like the show, then uh, then uh, they're fans. So. Um, Anyway, so I just want to let our listeners know our phone number again, 347-677-0699. We open the phone lines at 630. So, you know, if you call in now, we're not going to open the phone line. Sorry. So, um, you know, just call in a little bit after 630, and we're going to be talking to Sifu Goldie Mac. All right. I think that's it for announcements on my end. Let's move on to health news. Right. For this week's health news, it's the uh, it's uh, the impact on your life on a poor work and life balance. Now, think about this, folks. Okay, I used to be here, but think about this. Okay, just you know, say yes if you have any of these symptoms. Okay, do you get up from bed each morning with dread and anxiety about what faces you at work? Do you feel like you have to make it through, quote unquote, each day? Or are you completely exhausted by the time you get home each night? Or do you find yourself wishing you had a clone or more time to get everything done? Now, if you answered yes to any of these questions, it's very likely you have a poor uh, poor control of your work-life balance. <laughs> now, having an imbalance between your work and personal life can have very damaging effects on your health. An imbalance is basically, they call it an imbalance, believe it or not, not an imbalance, but an imbalance is basically a lack of clearly defined and consistently enforced boundaries between your work life and your personal life. So when you fail to have a healthy work and life balance, you end up experiencing emotional stress and anxiety and even depression. Uh, now, problems, problems at work are more strongly associated with health complaints than are any other life stressor, more so than even financial problems or family problems, believe it or not. Um, now, according to Stephen Hobfall, PhD, who is a professor of psychology at Kent State, he says, without change, everything will get worse, not better. And this is very important to remember because for many of us, it can be a difficult thing to accept. Now, the truth is, is once you allow your life to overwhelm you week by week, you open yourself to feelings of lack, uh, of, lack of self-control, um, anxiety, exhaustion, despair, and a lot more. You run the risk of suffering from burnout 
and addictive behaviors. In the end, your health and your family and your career all become victims of all of this all at once. Now, let's talk a little more about the symptoms. Um, you're exhausted, number one. When you work long hours on a frequent basis and fail to establish boundaries between your work and home life, you end up suffering from physical and mental exhaustion. Your mind is fuzzy and your reflexes are slower, which means that you're at risk of injury, liability, and even tainting your your personal, uh, your, not your personal, your professional reputation based on slow or ineffective performance. Okay, number two, um, absence. And uh, when you fail to establish these boundaries between work and home life, you end up missing important family events. Um, not only are you not there for ballet recitals, baptisms, or soccer games, you also miss unique moments like anniversaries and birthdays. And this absence can really damage your relationships. Um, number three, no friendships. <laughs> By spending all of your time focused on your career, you don't dedicate any time to nurturing and growing your friendships. Friends are essential to your support system. They keep you from getting isolated as a result of high amounts of work and give you positive energy and support. So don't let that don't let that affect your friendships. Um, and of course, number four, your workload increases. The more hours you work at the office and the more consistently you do it, the more work you're going to get by your boss. You're going to get more responsibility and more projects. And now that's, that sounds great if you're going toward career advancement and a salary increase, but you have to make sure it's not affecting the other aspects of your life. And this is a slippery slope, which, which can easily result in a never ending and increasing cycle of work and pressure. Um, now, other effects of having no balance, and this is, this is in the extremes, you can get cardiovascular disease, sexual health problems, a weakened immune system, migraines, stiff muscles, backaches, depression, weight gain, and substance addiction, not to mention um, irritability, and your capability of coping skills goes right down the tube along with your self-esteem. So be careful, folks. Holy Make crap. sure you that you... My personality. <laughs> Don't work so much, bruh. <laughs> so, so anyway, so be careful, folks. Make sure you make yourself a balance between your work life and your personal life. Now, in my case, my work life is my personal life. I do martial arts all day, every day. That's what I like to do. So anyway, before we go on to weird news, I just want to remind our listeners there, our phone phone lines all open around 630. We're going about five minutes, uh, five minutes off schedule here. But uh, after we open the phone lines, we're going to be talking to Sifu Goldie Mac. So don't go away, folks. All right. Let's move on to weird news. All right. I do not know what this woman was thinking. There was a woman in Merced, California, that was arrested on trespassing charges after she and an unnamed man allegedly twice tried sneaking into a hospital maternity ward using dolls as decoys. So they were using fake what? babies. What? Yes. What? As decoys so that they would look like they belonged. So what were they doing in there? Well, okay, go ahead and tell me the story. <laughs> well, the synopsis is that they were there to maybe abduct a newborn. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's why. And this happened to my wife with the first one, with Brandon, where 
some, and they told her what? right in, if somebody shows up with no name tag, if they, if they don't look right, do not give them any information. Do not give them your baby. One guy Holy shows crap. up, and he was legitimate. He showed up with no name tag. She said, get the hell out. Wow. Holy crap. Yes. A woman identified by ABC30.com is uh, Tonya Whitney Bones. First tried getting into Merced's Mercy Medical Center of Obstetrics. Uh, and, uh, unit last last Saturday with a male companion. They doted on on the fake babies by changing them and using and posing for photos as the states reported. So what they were doing was they were actually acting like this wasn't real bad, going as far as changing them, posing for pictures, wow. selfies, posing the pictures. So Holy they really crap. wanted along. It says the suspects were turned away by a suspicious guard who snapped photos of them carrying lifelock dolls, the Los Angeles Times report. Merced police Dang. are investigating if the pair was sought to abduct a newborn, according to the Times. The couple clutching <laughs> a diaper bag and carry-all apparently tried again on Monday. They allegedly wore hospital scrubs. Now they're going to step Oh, my further. gosh. Now they're going. Now they're going costumes. That's nuts. Yes. But she aroused suspicion because the outfit didn't match the hospital's uniform. Wow. Wow. Wow, that is so weird. Now they also got tripped up by claiming to have a non-existent appointment with an educator and presenting an outdated business card. From the center's doc- director, Bose wow. and her unknown accomplices never made it into the baby wing. The oh, good. The of the couple are unclear at this point, but Bose told ABC30.com that it's all a big misunderstanding. Bob McLaughlin, spokesperson for the <laughs> Medical Center, told the Merced Sun Star it's the first time he's heard of someone trying to gain access to the maternity ward with a doll. We do. We do not, this does not make sense, but I'll read it anyway. We do not <laughs> why, okay, it must have meant no. We do not know why they were in the hospital, he said. Fearing a potential baby abduction, hospital staff alerted police and other area hospitals about the couple and sent photographs of them and their bogus babies. They acted like they were real, McLaughlin told ABC News. They told Dang. him... Have you ever read these stories and it just was poorly written? There were missing words, misspelled words. He couldn't figure it out. That's one of these stories. Yeah. Oh, okay. They told him. I Uh, I don't even know where you are. (laughs) This is so weird. This is, I've never heard of somebody going, I mean, I've heard of people trying to break in and abduct babies and so forth, which is a horrible, heinous crime. But now they're trying to use disguises. They're not even. They're not smart enough to get the same kind of scrubs the hospitals are using. Right. Uh, these are some very sick people. They need to go away. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's. I'm, I'm glad they didn't make it in there. Oh man. All right. Well, let's move on to entertainment. All right. 
Now, this was bound to happen. Now, I did not know he even had a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You and I have been to the Hollywood Walk of Fame together. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump's star was vandalized by some guy, and they're looking to prosecute him to the max if mm-hmm. LAPD has their way. Law enforcement sold, uh, sources told TMZ the LAPD will send the case to the DA in the next few days and recommend felony prosecution. Cops think the DA should nail James Otis for going to town with a, oh, wow, I didn't know it was this severe, with a pickaxe and destroying the star. Wow. He didn't <laughs> He grabbed an axe and tried to destroy it. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed. I don't know where his star is, but if you've ever noticed Hollywood Boulevard, it's very heavily patrolled by police. Right. Right. How this guy would think that he would even come close to getting away with it. Only I don't, I don't know. He was, act, he was acting in a protest of Trump, but an official from the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce is scoffing at him saying the chamber, not Trump, is the real victim, and they want Otis slapped with a felony as well. Otis says he'll face Mm. music, but the crime carries way more than a slap on the wrist. He could get three years in prison at the worst-case scenario. What? Okay. argument probably won't fly in the L.A. courts, Superior Court system. What wow. I don't even know what they're talking about as far as the Gandhi argument, but the for no, so for defacing peaceful protest maybe. Oh right, yeah, peaceful protest, but defacing property can get you three years right. in prison. What? Well, <laughs> I mean, this is more than just defacing property. It doesn't <clears> belong <throat> to Donald Trump. It belongs to the city of L.A. Now oh. it's a government issue. It's defacing government property. Right. But three three years in prison. Somebody's front door in his house. Well, yeah. But three years in prison is more expensive than repairing Donald Trump's star. <laughs> it's going to cost us. Uh, it's gonna, yeah, it's going to cost you guys a lot more than, you know, however. Right. however so I, I just don't understand that. So, I mean, Me you know, prosecute them, yeah, but three years, come on. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's do this, folks. Um, let's go ahead and take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Sifu Goldie Max. So give us a call. Uh, we're going to open the phone lines uh, right after the break here. Our, call, our phone number is 347-677-0699. So don't go away, folks. We'll be I right back. I time for figuring things out. Like finding the square root of X when your ex won't stop texting you. Or how to write an essay on Twelfth Night the night before it's due. It's about making friends. And making memories. It's about deciding where you fit. Where you stand. And what you simply won't stand for. Long after class is dismissed, after you've left the hall and moved on with life, After you've forgotten all the answers to all the tests, you'll remember the day you figured out the kind of person you were going to be. Stand up for someone being bullied, and they'll never forget you. Stand up to bullying. In 50 feet, turn left. 
Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in point one miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The Heart Truth is a campaign sponsored by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute to raise awareness about heart health. One thing that everyone can do to support heart health is to get moving. Health and fitness expert Dr. Pamela Peake says that small steps can lead to big benefits. Throughout the day, just get up and move more. Park your car in the farthest parking spot. Find any excuse to walk as you live your busy life. The key to heart health is regular physical activity and a balanced diet. I help get my patients educated and motivated to stay active every single day. That's why I'm behind the Heart Truth campaign and those who partnered with it, like Diet Coke. Join them this month as they work to educate, inspire, and motivate by visiting dietcoke.com slash hearttruth. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T.J. Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest? or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699. And um, I want to take this time to uh, talk a little bit about our, ne- our our next guest, our following guest. I finally got a chance to meet Sifu Goldimax at the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame uh, a couple weeks ago or last week, or I don't even know how long ago it was. It's been, (laughs) it was, (laughs) it was that much of a week for me. Right. Um, And you know, what a wonderful person. Um, He, uh, we did a short uh, uh, video interview and uh, we thought, Hey, you know, why don't we have him on as a, a guest on our audio podcast? So without further ado, let me bring up his, uh, is Mike here? Let's see if I can see if I have the right number. Uh, please help me welcome Sifu Goldie Max. Sifu Goldie, is this your line? That's me. Hey, right on. 
I got it. Hey. Thank you for well, joining us. Come from the hey, you know what happened? What's that? What's that? Uh, I was look, I was looking at Facebook, and uh-huh. uh, Facebook said I was supposed to be on at six o'clock. So I've been listening to the show ever since uh, six o'clock your time. Oh yeah, we saw that. <laughs> I was like, I'm, that must be Goldie. <laughs> We're I'm not going. We can't open the phone lines yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. Yeah, we do have a couple you. of other callers. Uh, we do have a couple of other callers that are listening. And for anyone that calls tonight, um, please press one on your keypad if you want to talk to us live and to talk to Sifu Goldie. So let's um, let's get our discussion going. What uh, we normally like to do, uh, Sifu Goldie, is to start each of our discussions with um, our guests telling our listeners a little bit about how they got started in the martial arts and why they picked the arts that they did. So can you tell us a little bit about your your background in the martial arts? Well, um, I'm a Texas boy. I'm a little country kid. Um, but <laughs> for some well, for some ungodly reason, my dad decided to, to move uh, us from Texas to the south side of Chicago. Now, you've got to understand something. This was like uh, in the late 40s, early 50s. And mm-hmm. uh, here's this black kid on the south side of Chicago wearing cowboy boots, wranglers, and Western shirt and cowboy hat. No. So you can imagine uh, the uh, um, teasing and ribbing that I got from everybody talking about, what do you think you are, uh, you know, Black Roy Rogers, where's your horse trigger? Oh, no. Or, or are oh. you, uh, do you think you're a black uh, Gene Autry, sing me a song? So I was constantly oh, getting into all kinds of uh, fights and getting my butt handed to me on a platter. Oh man! It, it just it just so happened though that um, I had a cousin that was the Illinois State uh, Shotokan Karate Champion at the time, and he heard about what was going on with me and took me under his wing, and that's when I started in late '67, uh, early '68, started studying uh, Shotokan Karate. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on to um, get my black belt in Shotokan, got drafted. Uh, into the military and got my wow. duty station was uh, in um, Phoenix, Arizona at Luke Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find any Shotokan school, so was driving around uh, on Black Canyon Freeway in Indian School Road and came mm-hmm. across this school that was a Kempo school. Mm-hmm. So I go in, and I figured, well, what I'll do is I'll just train and train and train, and then when I get back home on my leave, I'll continue training the Shotokan. Mm-hmm. Well, I got in, and just so uh, happened, the, uh, the chief instructor at that particular school was a gentleman by the name of Gene Forte, the infamous mm-hmm. Gene Forte. And, wow. Um, <laughs> and they were having a sparring class that, that particular night. He said, well, just come on in, get dressed, and, and if you want to spar, you can to make a long mm-hmm. story short, I go in to spar, and here I am, like I said, getting ready to test with my black belt and uh, Shotokan, and um, I get my butt handed to me by this kid that was a purple belt. I mean, this kid hit me oh. so many times in so many ways that I'd never seen before, and I got upset because I thought that 
this kid, they had put a black belt in to, to humiliate me. Oh, okay, uh-huh. What, what it turned out was mm-hmm. he was a legitimate purple belt, and that was the day I decided Kempo was going to be my art from here on out. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then I, uh, then I got a transfer to uh, V-Spot in Germany, and, of course, there was no Kempo there, so I, uh, they did have a Taekwondo club on the base, and so mm-hmm. I joined that keep in shape and earned my black belt in uh, Taekwondo at that time. And mm-hmm. that's basically my forte since um, I started back in 67, 68. Wow. That's a, that's a long time. That's like wow. no. 50, almost 50 years. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't well, say know, that to date you there. <laughs> huh? What? This is funny because I don't know if Goldie remembers. I met, I've met Goldie twice. I met him one time in 2011 at the Madison Hall of Fame, and I mm-hmm. saw him again at the Martial Arts History Museum last year. Well, I was sort of goofing on Alan Woodman. I said uh-huh. something about Alan being old. Now, Alan's younger than I am. And he said, uh-huh. why are you bugging me about being old? What about him? And pointed at Goldie, right? Oh, crap. And I said, <laughs> I, I looked at Alan and I said, but I like him. <laughs> <laughs> but I like well, Goldie. <laughs> Alan is all Alan is always picking on me, and I keep telling, I keep slapping him in the back of his head where he don't have any hair, and I keep telling him, <laughs> I keep telling him that he's he's got to learn to respect his elders, um, because you know, I I turned sixty six years old this past September. And, uh, and so, uh, Alan and I are, are good buddies, and and, and uh, he's uh, we have a crack up a good time every time we get together. Right on. Well, happy belated birthday! Oh. That gets some cheering. Here. Yeah. Well, you know, right. Gold is funny. <laughs> You're from Texas. Rusty and I were in San Antonio a couple months ago at the Masters Hall of Fame, and somehow. I got selected, lucky me, to get searched at both airports. Now, Texas, (laughs) they are so nice. When I left San Antonio, they acted like it was an inconvenience to me. Now, the guy at LAX, I swear, he either owes me dinner or we're engaged. I don't know which. Because he searched me really thorough. But the people right. in Texas were so nice. We, we were sitting at our table, or actually, Russ was at one table, I was at another. Everybody there had a concealed weapons permit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. including me. Yes. That's right. That's right. Everyone, it, everyone was so nice over there. It, it made my first visit to Texas so great. And I, I want to go back. Didn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to go back. And yeah, it was, it was so much fun. <laughs> well, that, that's called Southern hospitality. Yes, sir. Hey, you guys are the best at it, man. I'm telling you. Uh, right. So, what? Your school, Goldie. What do you focus on? Do you focus on on? Uh, oh, I hate when that does that to my notes. I try to be so Uh-oh. professional, make it sound like this is my idea, but really, Rusty wrote it, and it just got screwed up. <laughs> at your school, what? Is, what, is, what is your primary? primary focus are you uh are you a specialist in teaching kids do you prefer adults do you focus on weapons and i want to know being that you have studied 
and earned black belt in so many different arts, do you integrate everything that you've learned in the past into your school system? Well, um, mainly I, I, I do teach uh, from ages two years old through adults. Uh, okay. My, I have, my, my little ninjas are my two to uh, four-year-olds, and then uh, my, that's my little dragon. Then I have my little ninjas that go from uh, five-year-olds to six-year-olds, and then my seven-year-olds uh, to 12-year-olds are in my kid kicks class. And then, I have, of course, I have my um, uh, 13 and above, uh, my teens and adults class that I combine. Because in mm-hmm. each case, you have to teach uh, uh, according to, you know, the age of a child. It's got to be age specific. Right. Exactly. Now, with me, I'm, I'm more... I'm more of a, um, as a instructor that tries to teach life skills that uh, and, and give the, the history of the art as I teach it. Like I tell my students all the time, I do not teach you how to fight. That is not my job. I teach you mm-hmm. how to defend yourself, plain and simple. But mm-hmm. also, I'm a retired police officer with, uh, as well. So I have to make sure that what I teach is in compliance with the law. Mm-hmm. And and I find a lot of times that uh, a lot of us as instructors, we forget that, that as an instructor, we have to teach our students how to defend themselves three different ways. The first way is to make sure that they have the ability to defend themselves against another person's illegal use of force against them. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. we forget we also have to teach our children, our students, how to defend themselves against the possibility of criminal prosecution if they use what we've taught them. Right, right. Not very many and schools then, actually go through that. Yeah. And then, and then third and, and last, you have to make sure you uh, uh, teach them how to defend themselves against the possibility of civil liability. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, as an instructor, if you pay attention to uh, to what's going on, because we live in such a litigation society, that mm-hmm. if they go to sue that that individual, they're gonna go they're, they're gonna come after you, the instructor too. Right. And no matter how you right. look at this, and and an example I lead, I use all the time is the O.J. Simpson case, and it doesn't matter oh, how uh-huh. you fall on the left or the right side of that case, it doesn't matter to me. But the fact is, he was found not guilty criminally. But he was found guilty civilly. Guilty civilly. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And see, and if we don't start paying attention to what we're doing, we spend too much time talking about uh, uh, hitting, punching, and listen to what, hear some of the coaches talk at a tournament, in, uh, during sparring sessions. Mm-hmm. It's not about defense. It's not about seeing how the technique that you learn at the dojo or the dojang or the kung, how it works in reality. Mm-hmm. It's about winning trophy. Right, right. And like exactly. I tell people, you know, I I've got I've won a lot of trophies over my uh, my career as a uh, as a competitor. But who cares about the trophies that I won in 1968 and 1969? Have to have to be one even born then. Right. <laughs> and for me to live off my laurels is ridiculous. Right. You know. So we've got to get back to. Uh, the teaching of philosophy, because every school you walk by, it says it. Uh, we teach discipline, self-respect, uh, uh, confidence, and blah blah blah. 
And I don't see that when I go to these tournaments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially well, the whole, like... Let me ask you this, man, because you've been around for so long. In fact, you were competing... I was four years old, by the way, in 1968. When you I just thought I'd throw that out there. Because I, I was I was really young. Have you ever come across the, uh, the remember the, of course, you remember the Karate Kid. You probably saw it a thousand times. Have you yep, ever come across it. the Cobra Kai mentality? Oh, yeah. Yes, I see that a lot. I, I, see, that, uh, I see that a lot. Think about it. You you go to a tournament, and here's this kid com, uh, uh, competing, and then his instructor steps in the ring. And, and, mm-hmm. and I have this rule that when I'm trying to referee, I pull all the students together and I say, look, nobody is going to leave my ring hurt. Now, the mm-hmm. rules are stated as this, 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 and this. And then after I explain, I said, does everyone understand? And, of course, the kids go, yeah. And then I'll I'll address the audience, whether it's the parents or, or uh, their instructors, and I'll say, look, you step in my ring, I will disqualify your kid in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you don't like it, we can always go outside, and the man that walks back <laughs> in was right. <laughs> and I, I, saw, with me. I saw this, Bob. I saw this because I was uh, one of uh, – one of Goldie's uh, corner refs, right? And you know, you, you know, Super Goldie, you have a way with with kids, right? You're not imposing, you're not intimidating. You got those kids excited to get up there and spar, and they wanted to. And he addressed the kids, and they were like, "Yes, sir." And he addressed the parents, and everyone understood. Everyone was on the same, you know, same side of the page, and it was an awesome tournament last week. It was yeah, it was I mean, a great sparring ring. I bet nobody called him sweetheart though. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, oh, also, uh, 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 have you ever noticed too that uh, when people uh, when judges are, are, are refereeing the ring, you know they have a tendency of looking around to see how everybody else is, is voting and then they'll vote. Right, but, right. But when, but oh when my I, God, yes. But when I referee a ring, I I, I don't even look at. Whatever that's doing, I point to who I think is because my head is down when I point. Right. And then mm-hmm. I look up to see how many have agreed with me. Yeah. So do I. Because if, yeah. if, if you do it that way, the kids know that you're not trying to cheat them. At the right. same time, it makes it exciting for the parents. Mm-hmm. And, and I, get a, I get a lot of parents come up and say, man, your, your ring ran so smooth, so fast, and the kids had a good time. And that's what they're supposed to be there for. Yep. Yep. We're it's all about to be the life lesson. Motivate them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if we don't do that, we're not doing our job. Right. Right. Exactly. And you know, exactly. and, I, and I and I remember back in the day when uh, when I was coming up in the art, you know, the Fred Wrens, the uh, the Bill Superfoot Wallaces, and all these guys, yep. the Joe Lewis's. I remember these guys. Uh, when I, you go up to them and you say, you know, would you sign my play sheet or whatever have you? And these guys were so nice, but then I ran into some buttholes that refused to sign it and pushed me away, like, go away, kids, you're bothering me. Whoa. And I that no matter how, how hard I get in rank, I will never, ever make a kid feel that way. I will right. joke and I will play with them because Absolutely. they're people just like me. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. 
Exactly. Exactly. I teach kids also. It's 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 one of my specialties is teaching kids and that what well, that was the first lesson I was taught was that you know, basically remember what it's like to be a kid and, and remember exactly. what it feels like for a grown up to go like you know, like you said, shoe kid, you're bothering me. You know, and it's kinda of like really, you know, and for anyone any adult to think that they're that important where they can't kneel down and talk to a kid for a second and praise them for what they've done great in the martial arts and, and motivate them to do, to, to keep going and do better. If you don't have that kind of time, then why are you, you know, why are you a black belt? <laughs> it's, that's kind of what, that's kind of my question in that aspect. But Well, I, I believe that they're not because again, we have gotten away from the, the question of who created these arts, regardless of whether it's right. Japanese art, Korean art, Chinese art or whatever. The people who created this were priests. And, mm-hmm. and it was not about fighting with them. It's right. about, you know, the, the bringing up that spirit of that individual and making you a better person. Exactly. So, so since when does the, uh, uh, the winning of trophies warrant an upgrade in belt rank? Right. Right. You know, so uh, listeners, what he's talking about is that, you know, some schools, um, I've, you know, I've heard of a few schools that make it a requirement to compete in however many tournaments um, before the next rank. Eh, okay, I can kind of see the point, you know, it's a learning experience, it gets you past your fears and stuff like that. But if you don't, for some reason or another, then you don't get your upgrade. If you don't win, you don't get your upgrade. And it's kind of like, really? You know, okay. I mean, Wow. That's why I make I make it a rule with my students. Uh, I tell them it's not a, a requirement that you uh, participate in tournaments. If you want to, that's fine and dandy. But I have three rules. Rule one: you must attend three tournaments with me and watch what's going on, so that you can understand what the rules and the regulations are at a tournament. Mm-hmm. Rule two. That when we go when we go to a tournament, I will allow if you decide that you want to compete after uh, doing that for three times, I will allow you to compete. But here is the issue: we don't go to a tournament to win, and we don't go to a tournament to lose. We go to a tournament to experiment with what we learn at the coon and see if it's functional and if it works. Amen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rule three: if at any time. One of my students disrespects a judge or another student. He doesn't get a second chance. He will be disqualified from going to a tournament ever again with me. And if he wants to continue his tournament career, he has to go to another instructor to study because he will no longer study with me. Mhm, mhm. And that's uh, those are great rules because it keeps the it keeps the integrity of their training intact, and uh, there's no room for you know, ego and, you know, big heads and stuff like that. And it, it, it teaches, teaches integrity and honor. And it's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it just, um, um, it just behooves me why, you know, some schools will say, well, you know, you have to compete and win it, you know, at a tournament. Um, Cause if that's the case, you know, some people won't get upgraded for like two years. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the, the, the thing I look at, I, say, I tell my students, I say, look, what is the greatest tournament 
that you can ever, ever win. And that is called the truth right. of life. Right. And mm-hmm. if yep. you don't know, and the, and the trophy I want you to win, the first place trophy I want you to win is to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is you learn more from losing than you do from winning. Exactly. Because you don't understand how to pick yourself up. One of the things, one, um, one of my students came to me after a tournament. He goes, Jifu, Jifu, look, I won first place. And I said, that's a great job. Let me ask you one question. Who scored first? He goes, what? I said, who scored first? He goes, well, uh, the other kid, but I beat him four to three. I said, well, if this was real life and he had a knife, you wouldn't have got those other three points because you would have been dead that first shot. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's a, you know, that's an awesome point. Yeah. So you got to bring it back into perspective. You know mm-hmm. that um, when you're out there, you know you got two or three minutes, depending on the tournament, uh, a minute round, and mm-hmm. be patient. Right. If you if you score that first point. Don't be in a hurry to get another point because you now have time on your side. Mm-hmm. That means that other person has got to rush to get a uh, get a point to tie you before time runs out. And when you exactly. rush, you make mistakes. Exactly. Think about it. How many times mm-hmm. have you rushed out of your car and locked your keys in the car? How many <laughs> times have you rushed out of the house and left something that you should have taken with you? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, exactly. how it works. Mhm. And you know, I'm really glad that you're I'm really glad that your students are learning this cuz you know, I've 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 been to, you know, Bob and I've been to a lot of tournaments also and you know, sometimes you know, we see uh side coaches and stuff that uh, are exactly like you and and teach honor and integrity and loyalty to the art and stuff like that and sometimes you get the coaches that are all about the winning, you know, Cobra Kai kind of kind of people. Yeah, and exactly. it, uh, now, Russ, yeah. You and I were at that gathering of tournaments two weeks ago. Gathering of no champions? Yeah. Gathering of champions, I'm sorry. Uh, there was no coaches arguing. There was no disputing uh, calls. There was no disputing mm-hmm. scores. Except between you and I, you and I were judging the grand champion, and we're going, wait a minute. We, bo- we both voted this way, and it came out this way. How did that happen? Right. <laughs> and there were only three of us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but we never like went to Angie and said we don't agree with this. Nothing like that because we had the respect to keep it to ourselves. It was what it was, and and the, whoever won really deserved to win. It was right. great, totally respectful tournament. Well, see, right. when, when, when students understand like um, that, they can never be cheated at a tournament ever. I don't believe never. any student can ever be cheated at a tournament because right. if your if your technique was so precise. It couldn't be anything else but what it was. And, right. and secondly, the thing about it is, I, during my tournament career, yes, I've lost a lot of, of, of my matches. But you know, the guy that I, I happen to be competing against will come up to me and say, you know what, you scored two or three points that they didn't see. I said, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I know. And as long yep. as he knows, I'm I'm still a winner. Exactly. You know, exactly. it's all in attitude. It is. It is. Many a time that somebody has uh, has scored on me and, and it was not seen. 
Yeah. And a lot of times I, I would stop and say, hey, he's got a point here. And the judges said, mm-hmm. we're the judges. You let us call the call. I said, but he's got a point here. And the reason mm-hmm. I did that was for two reasons. One is to let him know that I respected that point. Mm-hmm. Because if he scores another one and another one they don't call it, he's going to either jack me up to prove that he scored. Exactly. And then I'm going to have to jack him up because he hit me too hard. Yeah, yeah. It becomes just this rolling ball of of yuck at that <laughs> at that point. Exactly. And especially right, with kids. Ball. Yeah, as well especially with kids because kids, you know, um, you know, they're they're younger and, you know, you know, still have to work on their, you know, uh emotions and stuff like that. And if a judge doesn't see a point that they thought was really clean, they're going to like Sifu says, they're going to jack up that other kid just to say, "Hey, here's my point." And then what's going to happen? They get disqualified, and then they get a bad taste in their mouth about tournaments, and they don't ever want to go to those learning experiences ever again. Um, exactly. So, yeah. And if, and if, if you remember uh, in uh, Seattle, we, I was, uh, we were wrestling that one ring, and the kid uh-huh. got hit, and he started crying. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and I walked up to him. I said, you know, are you okay? He goes, well, it, it hurts. I said, yeah, it, life does hurt a little bit. And you got to understand yep. that it's going to be like that. I said, but now, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question. I said, if this was out in the street and the bully was beating on you and he hit you and it hurt you, would you let him continue to do it or would you fight back? He goes, well, I'll fight back. I said, so do you want to mm-hmm. continue or do you want to let the bully win? He goes, no, I'm going to fight. Yep, and he, he did, crying, too. And he, went, and he went on and and he fought a good match. That was a great you know, match. I remember that. Right. And see, and, and that's the thing uh, that we're supposed to be teaching. It's not about about winning or losing. It's about learning what, who you are. Mm-hmm. And learning Definitely. what you're capable of. And get out of your comfort zone. Right. Right. And those the lessons that these kids learn for our listeners out there, it's, you know, I, this is why I think every child should at least explore martial arts. Even if they don't become a black belt, they should explore it and learn some of these lessons from a good instructor. Because, you know, to have the instructor that a, a child looks up to, you know, talk to them, pat them on the, pat them on the back and say, hey, you know, I really liked how you threw that sidekick, you're improving, and giving them that, that you know, that extra boost, you know, they're going to remember that. And they're going to remember that years later. I mean, I'm sure you see Fumac, you get, you know, stories from, you know, kids that, that you meet up with later on when they're adults and they tell you, Oh, Hey, I remember when you told me this, I get it. I know Bob gets it. You know, exactly. it's, it's something that they hold on to. We might've forgotten about it, but it's something yeah. they hold on to. And and, that uh, was, it was funny. It was funny. Uh, after uh, the interview that you and I did, in Seattle, mm-hmm. um, my daughter uh, posted uh, on that. She said, "I saw that uh, uh, on uh, on Facebook, Dad, and you must have been talking about me because that's exactly where you raised me all my life." <laughs> mhm. You know, yep. and, and and that's exactly because I have my rules with my children that. All my children had to study the martial arts whether they want to or not. There was no ifs, mm-hmm. ands, and buts about it. Mm-hmm. And especially my, especially my daughters, because like I told my daughters, if you ever decide that you want to date, 
If you don't learn the martial arts, you won't date until you have left my house a grown woman. <laughs> but as long as you're living under my roof, you're, you will not date. Because I have to give them her the tools that if a little boy puts his hand where it don't belong and she says remove it, she's got to have the tools to enforce that law. Right. Now, if, if she wants that hand to be there, there's nothing I can do about it anyway. Because I won't be right. there. But right. at least I gave her the tools to make that decision. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Now, I want to remind our listeners that if you want to call in and you want to talk live with Sifu Mac and us, me and Bob, just press 1 on your touchtone phone. Um, and even if you're listening now, if you want to join the conversation, just hit 1 so that way I know that you want to go live. Um, otherwise, Bob and I will just assume that you're just listening to the show. So, But our phone number is 347-677-0699. And we also, have a, uh, we also have a chat board that I should bring up here. It hasn't been up. <laughs> I'm bringing up the chat board now. Or if you're getting this, uh, if you're listening to this broadcast through Facebook, you can actually um, type in the comment section of the post that I put up about uh, half an hour ago. All right. Now, if I remember correctly, you're working on a book, correct? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Yes, Uh, yes, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Right now, the title of the book, I've been writing on this, bits and pieces on this book now for the last eight, nine years. Uh, Because every time I come up with a, a, a subject matter on the book, you know, things change. And, right. and I've, I've, I've discovered that, that everything that we discover as facts today will be proven erroneous tomorrow because somebody's mm-hmm. going to discover something else. Right. And so I want to make sure that the information that I put out in, in the book is up-to-date and current and provable. Like I always tell my students, I will never uh, instruct them on anything that I don't have the ability to prove because in the mm-hmm. end result, their life depends on what I'm saying. And right. I, don't want, I don't want them to just take my word for it. I want to be able mm-hmm. to show them where I discovered this information and why it's valid. So mm-hmm. the book is, is, is uh, titled uh, The Psychology of Self-Defense. Right on. Because uh, um, let's face it, in any battle, 95% of that battle is won or lost in the head. Mm-hmm. You know? It, one of the things that the military taught me was that a good commander knows how to judge the environment and judge the the uh, the ability of his opponent, and all of that done in the head mm-hmm. until you before you even meet each other on the battlefield. You've got to have a battle plan, and you got mm-hmm. number one, or number two. You got to understand your opponent. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you're walking in there blind, and you're going to get beat. Right, right. I mean, we, look at it. We we do not learn from history. Let's let's mm-hmm. take a quick uh, trip down memory lane. In World okay. War One, we won World War One outright. No big deal. World War Two comes along, and we get our butts handed to us in the South Pacific. We get our butts handed to us in Europe and in Africa. And then two men came on board and said, you know, we can change this. 
because we got to study our opponent. Pat mm-hmm. rearranged everything and brought us back from Europe. And MacArthur said, I'll be back. He did it before uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did it in, uh, in Terminator. I will be back. Mm-hmm. And he did. Then comes the Korean War. Folks, we've got stalemated. It's still going on. It's just it's just a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. And then we go to wow. Vietnam and get our butts handed to us again. Right. Now, why aren't we learning from these here past events? That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, why did not why did we not learn from World War One what we did right and mm-hmm. and build on that so that when World War Two happened, we should have been thinking about all the things that we did right and all the things that we did wrong. We didn't. We have this mm-hmm. tendency. Of I won and I don't have to get any better. Exactly. Or I'm just going to use what worked before and I don't have to do any more research. I don't have to figure out what's going on with the current times. Exactly. Uh, and stuff like that. And, uh, and, and, and yeah. these kids that are and these kids that are in tournaments. Think about it, guys. If you're if you're a competitor, you're going to be competing against the same guys your whole uh, tournament career. As long mm-hmm. as you're in that one weight division, right. right? You're going to see that guy over and over and over and over again. And if he beats you, instead of going going saying, you know, uh, I got cheated, you should be asking yourself, what did I? What was his strong suit? And mm-hmm. what was my strong suit? What technique did I use that scored most of the time? And what technique did he use that scored most of the time? And as you train. You shore up your weaknesses, and the next time you meet him, it's going to be a better match. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. But we, mm-hmm. but they don't do that. They go home and say, "Well, I lost and I got cheated," or they go home and they say, "I won first place and I don't have to get any better." Right. Right. Exactly. Very and- true. You know, you'd think that, you know, some of these competitors that, that, you know, think that way that, well, you know, I won, I don't have to get any better, you know, and uh, no one, no one can beat me, that kind of thing. Uh, You'd think that they would learn when they lose as opposed to blaming the tournament or the tournament promoter or the other guy that cheated or the judges, you know, or the scorekeepers. And it's kind of like, you know, makes me wonder how they deal with life when things don't go their way, you know? Exactly. It's well, kind of kind of scary. Yeah, I don't see what, you know, like like Seafood Mac was saying, it's a learning experience. You know, I mean, we've all competed. Most of the people that we, ninety percent of the people that we compete against, that we will be competing with, and you're right, Goldie, our our entire career, they enter, they have the same entry, they have the same techniques, maybe that are working, mm-hmm. and we're not learning to defend against those techniques. Like, let's take UFC, for example. Uh, Hoist Gracie went in and was dominating the whole thing, and then people started training on how to beat him. Right. Exactly. And he started getting his butt kicked exactly. all over the place. And then mm-hmm. he went, well, maybe I better retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, 
I I I would say uh, ask myself. I say, um, who's the only loser? And you'll be surprised how many of them do not understand that question. Right, right. And and I, and I try to get them to understand. The only loser is the person that has not learned from that experience. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, if that's when you truly have lost. But yep. if you have learned from that experience, whether you won the first place trophy or did not win the trophy at all, then you are still a winner. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. like I t- like I tell my students, I say, you know, I will. The only thing that I can promise you, if you study with me, and I know I can keep this promise, is these things. If your opponent's got a gun, you will get shot. Mm-hmm. If he's got a knife, I promise <clears throat> you, you will get cut. Mm-hmm. If he's got a, a stick or his fist, you're going to get hit. Now, if mm-hmm. you can't face that truth, if you think that sitting with me is going to make you invincible, you're in the wrong place. Go someplace else and let them uh, uh, blow, you know, sunshine up your butt and you can have all the fun you want. Okay? But I also can promise this one last thing, that after all is said and done, you may have to go and have surgery from being shot or cut. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, the trophy you're going to win is your life. Right. Exactly. I, I I get so appalled when I hear these some of these instructors promising all these pie in the sky things about mm-hmm. my my system is uh, is the best system in the world, and if you study with me, you're going to be invincible. I'll I'll teach you the the gunka munta gunta death touch, and you'll be invincible. <laughs> And mm-hmm. and I remember something that uh, Master Parker taught us. He said, you know, there's no such thing as a pure system. The only thing that's pure is when pure knuckles meet pure flesh, you get pure pain, and you can't mm-hmm. get any pure flesh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> remember that, Bob. Remember that. Because <laughs> I did. You know, he uh, he said that during our uh, TV or uh, during our video interview, and I went, I have to remember that because it's true. You know, a lot of you know, too many too many people focus on the trophy, the tangible, the tangible thing they can take home. And you right. know, for a lot of people though, it's like you know, little kids and toys. You buy them a cool toy because they want it, they want it, they want it, and then what happens a month later? It's either broken or they don't get they're not playing with it. Yeah, they're not playing with it. it. They forget about it. And, 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 and here's, yeah. here's the kicker. You, you, you go to the, some of these tournaments, and they give everybody a trophy. Oh, yeah. Now, what <laughs> yeah. does that oh, teach yeah. that child? That they don't got to work for nothing. They're entitled. They're, yeah, they they're are entitled. entitled. Mm-hmm. And don't we have enough idiots running around here thinking they're entitled? Right. So we're going right. to raise some more entitlement? Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. the fact that, that, that should be our word of the day is entitlement. These people think they're entitled to something and they're not, and that's that's the toughest lesson some of these kids have to learn. You know, he's talking about pure pain, Rusty. I've I've always called you a pure pain. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know, he's just lucky that like my pure fist didn't meet his pure face. It's <laughs> exactly a couple of times. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but yeah, entitlement. I mean, see, and as kids, you know, and our listeners are like, wow, this is getting really philosoph- uh, uh, you know, really based on philosophy. Well, it is because, you know, this is kind of what Bob and I, you know, this is why we do this show is, you know, we, we can focus on technique all we want. We can be like, oh, you know, here's the best defense against this or that or, we, or whatever. We can do that like any other radio show. But, you know, what me and Bob wanted to do for this show is to allow our guests to be able to, we want to pick our guests' brains about their philosophies about life, about martial arts, about why, you know, martial arts is, you know, so valuable as opposed to the, what some parents see as violence, that kind of thing. It's, yeah. Well, you see, if if you remember my seminar, my seminar is different than anybody else's seminar. Like I it tell was. people, I want, yeah. I want you to sit down. I said, because how many of you know how to punch? And everybody raised their hand. How many of you know how to block? And they raised their hand. How many know how to kick? Back kick, side kick, roundhouse kick, whatever, whatever you, you want to call it. And everybody mm-hmm. knows how to do it. So why am I going to show you how to do what you already know how to do? That's redundant. Yeah. That was a cool way to, to, to do the seminar. Yeah, that was cool. And, and then I will call up. Uh, 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 someone from the crowd, and I'll say, okay, show me your version of what what we call a reverse punch. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll get that, and I'll say, okay, show me, and I'll block, and I will block. And then I'll ask one question. Why do you block why? that way, or why do you punch mm-hmm. that way? And what did they all say to me? Because that's because the way we were taught. That's the way I was taught. Yeah. They do not understand. Why they do it? They just do it because a monkey said do it, so they do it. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand exactly. why. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm not here to teach you how to do something that you already know how to do. I want you to understand why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. So let's discuss this. And and we go through all these things that are in my book explaining this. And they started saying, you know what, I never thought about it that way. I said, if you Mm -hmm. don't start thinking about these things that way, we are creatures of habit. Right. And that the fact of the matter is, you can spend all day long showing a kid how to block or punch or whatever have you, but the moment they get hit and, and experience some pain, they revert back to what was comfortable for them. Think mm-hmm. about it. You see these kids doing these perfect sidekicks, and they're doing these perfect punches and everything, and then they get in the ring and they're doing sparring competition, and they're flailing. Right. And this includes black belt. Mm-hmm. I don't see any yep. clean, crisp techniques like they did in their kata or their form. You know? Exactly. And you get some idiot that, that, that just throws out a, a, a hand and then raises his hand like he's done something great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Well, you know, we have a we have a caller that pressed one. So thanks for being patient, caller. This is area code four one seven. Four one seven, you're on Dynamic Dojo. Who's this? This is Tony. Tony. Hey. Hey. How What's you doing, going Tony? On? Not too bad. How about yourself, sir? What's up? Doing well. Hey, can everybody hear me just fine? Yep, yes, we, can yes, we can hear awesome. you. We can hear you. Great. I I've just been really enjoying the show and and I clicked in because he was talking earlier about the kid that that won 
the tournament, but he wasn't the one who got the first punch. And, of course, being a, a fellow Kenpoist as I am, I, I heard mm-hmm. you quoting Ed Parker, and I'm like, oh, he missed it. He missed the one quote that I love so much from Ed Parker, he who hesitates meditates in a horizontal position. That's oh, an enlightenment you got it. right there. I mean, and to think about it, um, and, and, and Mr. Parker used to say, uh, to, to clarify that, that statement, he said, you know, what is the hardest thing in the world to do? And each and every last one of you are right now doing it. You're thinking. Right. And when you're thinking, you're hesitating. And when you hesitate, you meditate, and normally in a prone position. Yep. <laughs> That's some right. enlightenment right there. <laughs> it is. Uh, he, and he's exactly right. Your technique should be so to the point that it takes no thought. It happens by itself. It's kind of Bruce Lee said that in one of his movies one time. He says, I don't hit, it hits all by itself. Yeah, and what he's hits. talking about is yeah. that smoothness of that technique, the crispness and everything of it, and the fact that it's ingrained into muscle memory and everything so much that it happens so fast. You don't even realize it sometimes. It just happens. You're like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just figured <laughs> out she's going to get hurt that day. Yeah, yeah, right. Tony, I, I heard uh, I went to one of uh, Tony Robbins's uh, motivational um, uh, functions one time, and he said something that that has stuck with me all these years. He says that, uh, that uh, repetition is the mother of understanding, and that mm-hmm. is so true. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. and he also mm-hmm. said that you know the past should never equal the future. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Because mm-hmm. And he said there's only one way that the past can affect or become the future. And the example that I created was if you go to bed with a crappy day, mm-hmm. and when you, you wake, wake up, up what, is it going, what kind of day are you going to have? Same thing. Crappy day. Let it go. That's exactly yeah. right. And then you, and then you go to that day feeling all crappy. And when you go to bed, you're feeling crappy again. So when you wake up the next morning, which is your future, it's crappy again. Right. So mm-hmm. the only way that those are the people who are carrying the past into the future. But mm-hmm. if you end your day on a positive note, when you wake up in the morning, you the last thought in your brain was a positive note. So when you wake up, you have a positive note. And mm-hmm. one of the ways that I have overcome that is the serenity prayer. I say that at the beginning of uh, of every day, and I say that just before I go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, give me the strength to change the things that I can, accept the things I'm unable to change, and the wisdom to know the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. You know, because yes, there's sir. some things that I just will not be able to to change because either I don't have the information, the knowledge, or the ability. That doesn't right. mean that right. it won't come to me at some point in time later on down the road. That's exactly. the most important but, part right there. But the yeah. things that I can change, I need to be changing them instead of complaining about them. Right. Yep. Yeah, I was I was going to say, a lot of people just bitch and moan about it instead of, right. you know, finding that wisdom and stuff. So that's great advice. So, yeah. Oh, you know, before I forget, Tony, congratulations again. Thank you. Yay. I appreciate Yay. it. 
Yay. Yay. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, if you'd like, stay on the line because we do have a fellow Ken, Ken Pope. Do you call them Ken Poists? Ken Poe artists? Yes. Ken Poe practitioners? Yes. Yeah. Is that a word? But Ken Poe practitioners, we can't. But, well, you know. but they got to remember that's K E N P O, not K E M P O. Right. Though, uh, we're, we're, we're from the same family. <clears throat> well, one with more uh, uh, Japanese connotations are uh, 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 in it, but uh, mm-hmm. we're all one big family. Very cool. I was going to ask that you uh, explain it for our listeners that don't know the difference, but you did. So that's good. <laughs> it was, you know, it, what's funny is that, you know, I do Kaju Kenbo, and a lot of people call it Kaju Kenpo. Um, and there's an, another branch. Kaju Kem with an M B O, Kaju Kembo. And people go, you know, well, when people call it Kaju Kenpo, you know, I kind of I kind of let it go, but then sometimes I have to like, you know, kind of correct them and go, no, nah, it's, it's Kaju Kenpo, but it's the same family. That's, that that's, the, that's the problem is, is that uh, the history of it is not being taught. And, and when, yeah. you, right. when you look at it, um, the, the, the name itself tells you what makes up. That art. Yes, that, thank the you. The K A is judo, karate, kenpo, the ju yeah. is judo and uh, jujitsu. Yep. The yep. Uh, ken is uh, kenpo because mm-hmm. the Imperator brothers were the ones that helped create that, and B is mm-hmm. training spot. Right, right, and you know a lot of the beginner students, uh, or even not even my beginner students, because you know they get they get the information from day one. It's like, okay, this is Kaju Kemo. This is what you're learning. Because if you're going to tell people what you're studying, you should know what you're studying, you know, because I've met mm-hmm. kids that come in here from, this is kind of an off topic story, but it's, it's on topic. I've, kids will come in here from like, let's say, I don't know, karate or Taekwondo or something. And I'll go, Oh, you did karate. That's cool. Who was your sensei? What's your sensei's name? Oh, I don't know. You don't oh. know your what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, nothing drives me crazier than when I am around a bunch of martial artists. And, and this is where titles drive me absolutely nuts. Um, <laughs> and, and, and here's this kid. He, he studies Taekwondo, but he's calling his instructor Sensei. And I'm going, do you understand if you were in Korea and called a Korean sensei, he would knock you into the next world because that's a great insult. Right. Right. And, and, if, you, and, if, and if you call a Chinese instructor, and, and, and Kempo people have this bad, and I, I'm going to pick on us, okay? Kempo people have this bad calling uh, instructors sensei when we are a Chinese-based style and it's mm-hmm. seafood. Not sensei, right? right. Yeah, you, you I, know, and, yeah. and so right. these titles just drive me crazy. Like, like we talked about before. Yeah, I don't like <laughs> anybody calling me anything other than sifu. I don't want to be called, you know, grandmaster and, and master and all this other stuff because, like I told you before, every time somebody calls me a master, the first thing I say, "What? I'm a master masturbation? What, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, wait a minute, how many kids you got? (laughs) Because the thing about it, when you say master, that means you have nothing more to learn. Exactly. And and I've got, I will will be learning until the day they bury me. So don't call me master. 
I, because, right? you know, if I run out of lotion, how am I going to do that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. You, did, you didn't go there make on a drop video my interview. Oh, my God. So, you know, Sifu <laughs> Goldie um, said the same thing. You know, what am I, a master master baiter? What is it? I laughed. I laughed really hard. But then that last statement, that, that made me almost spit out my, my, my water. <laughs> I about choked on myself here. <laughs> Let's not talk about water leaving, all right? Yeah. But how many right? people do you see walking around, you know, uh, uh, with their chest all puffed out and and, uh, mm-hmm. and the like, you know, and, and won't even talk to you unless you address them as master this and master that and master this. And right. the thing yeah. about it is, the thing about it is, if, if you saw me on the street in my regular everyday clothes, Wrangler jeans, cowboy boots, cowboy hat, you wouldn't know what I was except for who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you don't you wouldn't walk up to me if you've never met me before and go, Hey master <laughs> Exactly Don't don't get me wrong, I understand it is a a, a sign of respect. But mm-hmm. sometimes we take it too far. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and even yes. and even even when Master Parker was alive, he never liked being called master. That's right. He never liked being called master. That's he correct. Was, he was and for those of us who were with him for a long period of time, you know, we gave we gave him a nickname of old man. Uh-huh. The old man said this. The old man said that. that. The old man doing this. The old man doing that. This is gonna hurt. <laughs> but but. But it was all done with the utmost respect because we knew what that man could do. Right. And and the fact of the matter, he wanted us to make sure that we learned. And he always taught us with uh, metaphors and stories mm-hmm. to get that point across about the what we were learning. Mm-hmm. And we had to be able to explain exactly. it. Mhm. Definitely. But I don't see that anymore. And I, you know, you know I, I think... around there, I'm seeing them walk around these tournaments with tutti frutti tangerine uniforms on, and you know, <laughs> and, 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 hey, now what? You can <laughs> see me. That's <laughs> <laughs> you know, not right, here. man. <laughs> they, they got these, these belts that look like candy canes and everything else, and I'm going, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 I, and I am, I, like I said, I started out in Shotokan. But then I asked a lot of the Shotokan practitioners, okay, how did the art get its name? And they have no clue because they don't, they were never taught the history. Wow. When you don't even because, know. Because Shotokan was the, uh, was the pen name of Genshin Fonokoshi. And mm-hmm. they, after his death, they named, they named the art after his pen name. Mm-hmm. The highest rank he had was the fifth degree black belt. So why are you seeing these people walk around with ten? How can you be higher than the man that founded the system? You know, that's a good question. Okay, and that's yeah. um, you know, let's kind of let's kind of like segue into that a little bit because <clears throat> I'm you know, I didn't even think of that, that you know, that that Sensei Sensei Funakoshi was only a Godon. Yet you've got people that are, 
you know, t- you know, ninth, tenth, or whatever. And I guess my question is to any anybody that's listening is who who at that point becomes the governing body to be able to, you know, to be able to bestow those ranks, you know, outside well, that, of the founder. That's, you know? that's, that's when the, uh, that's when the JKA came about. And, and okay. they're the ones that start setting the rules and the foundation for upgrades and so forth and so on. And like I said, I don't have a problem with it, but I do have a problem that no one understands the history. History, yes. You know, and no mm-hmm. one. And then when you ask them, you know, what nationality was Genjin Funakoshi? He was not Japanese. Mm-hmm. He was Okinawan. Mm-hmm. Just like you, uh, you know, you ask them uh, what nationality of the uh, of the man uh, who taught this art that chopped off the uh, horns of of a bull, and they think mm-hmm. he was Japanese. He was. Mm-hmm. He was Korean. He was Masoyama. Korean. <laughs> yeah, Masoyama. he was Korean. He was Korean. <laughs> yeah. Masoyama. And, and people. Yeah, I just had a dude say that he beat Masoyama in a fist fight, and I've never laughed so hard before in my life. <laughs> Do what now? I had a dude who was telling me that he had beaten Masoyama in a fist fight, but what yeah. he really said was, "I beat Masoyama," and I said, "At what checkers? Because we know it wasn't at fighting or the other f word." Yeah. <laughs> he must have beat, beat him in the middle of a wet dream. Ah, so, man, I'm telling you. You know, it said that uh, was this kid. It was this was this a younger person that would have not? No, even no, been no. This is this is an older guy who swore up and down that he chased off Ed Parker and that oh, uh, he Lord. he he ran some of Ed Parker's schools for a while, but he was so much better than Ed Parker and this and the other. I'm like, really, <sighs> we're done now. <laughs> We're done. I, I've, Goodbye. I've had my daily allowance of vitamin Y. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what? Uh, have you noticed this? Those, those are the people that talk about these people after they're dead. They never say yes, this crap on right. the right. That's exactly right. 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 Exactly. exactly. Right. I, I almost yeah, asked him, so are you going to say that you beat that Bruce too? Yeah, I bet he. I bet he beat Bruce Lee also. Yeah, I was just saying. And Chuck Norris. Don't forget Chuck Norris. No, no, Chuck ain't dead yet. He ain't gonna say that yet. He's gonna wait until the day after Chuck is dead and then come out. You know, I used to beat him up on a regular basis. You know, kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you're right. They wait until the person's dead on him. Right. In a way, you kind of have to feel sorry for those people. (laughs) I don't. I don't feel sorry for somebody who is like that. No, I don't. I, like, I feel I that I'm people, uh, yeah, I feel that people like that, they, they, they get what's <laughs> coming to them eventually. And, you know, he's going to gum his food and his women here really soon, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Goldie, let's, let's step one step further because we all know these people who are self-propagated. They, they promote themselves as one gentleman that studied Tang Soo Do, and all of a sudden he's in 10th degree, and he calls himself Soki, Grandmaster, uh, Professor, <laughs> Doctor. How do you feel about those guys that self-promote? Well, well you uh, know, the, the, the thing about it is, is I always tell people when they, when they come to, uh, to my classes, to Adelanda Marshall, I say, you know, one of the rules that I have is that before I will accept a student into, into my classes, I will give them five of my business cards. And I'll say, what you need to do is you need to go and visit five different schools. Mm-hmm. 
and watch those classes. Mm-hmm. And if you decide to come back to me, I need to have all five of those business cards returned to me, signed by the instructors of those schools. That lets me mm-hmm. know you've been there. And people say, well, why do you do that? You're a little student. I said, I would rather lose a, a student immediately than have one to come to me wasting my time. Right. So, here, here's go. the thing that we as instructors forget. If you if you take away the money factor, and that's what we become in a money factory now. And if you take away the money, the fact of the matter is, the hour or the two hours that I spend with a student, they have just stolen two hours of my life that I'll never get back. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm dying those two hours. I'll never get that back. Right. So why would I kill myself for two hours with a person that really doesn't want to be here? Right. That's a that's a that's I really a good, have that's three or four students that really want to be there, then my life has meaning. It has purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I tell I tell my students that all the time too. You know, I give forty years of my life. You know. So and you're giving however old you are, you know, you give thirteen years of your life here also. So mm-hmm. Let's spend it together. Let's not, like, tolerate it, you know. So. And not only that, but, but instructors have got to, uh, uh, and I know this is going to offend a lot of instructors out there, but I don't care, you know. We don't either. <laughs> we don't you, either. You can tell me that I'm out of my mind when you meet me. That's fine and dandy. But the, here's the fact. The, uh, just because you don't like a fact doesn't change the fact that it's still a fact. Right, right. That's the bottom line. And the thing about it is, we as instructors need our students more than our students need us. Hell oh. yeah! Oops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could. Well, we already said. We already said a bunch of swear words. So I'll just say hell yeah. yeah. You know, because let, let's face it. At some, at any given point in time, a student is going to ask an instructor, and this has happened to me many a time, where they ask me a question, and honestly, I have no clue on what the heck they're talking about. <laughs> but I'm honest enough to look at him and say, you know what? That's a good one. I do not know, which forces me to go and do my research to find the answer. Mm-hmm. And then when I get the answer, I come back to that student and I'll say, remember that question you asked me three months ago, four months ago, whatever the time frame was? Here's the mm-hmm. answer, and here's where I found out this information for you. Now, let's fast forward two or three years later. And another student asked me that exact same question, and right off the top of my head, I go, and here's where I found the answer. And they go, God, he's so smart. I was dumb as a post to another student earlier that asked me the same question. (laughs) (laughs) So So that student helped me grow as an instructor. And if I had never had that student, I would not have grown. So I need them. As much as they need me. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, more than they need me. And I tell my students, the only stupid question you can ever ask me, question you never ask. Exactly. The only stupid answer that you can ever <clears throat> give me is the answer you never give. Mm-hmm. It's that plain and simple. Yep. I'll exactly. And I'll everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you were a uh, police officer for a long time. Did you yes, notice a, diff- a difference between 
a police officer that came into the through the academy and knew martial arts going in than a person that had never studied martial arts before, or were those few and far between that had never studied before? It, it, uh, in most cases, it was far and in between. But what I can tell you is those uh, um, officers that came in knowing the martial arts, they were less likely to pull their handgun in a, in a situation. Mm-hmm. They, they, mm-hmm. Have, they already knew the, the, the importance of verbal judo, mm-hmm. and, and they knew how right. to apply it and get compliance the way they wanted it. Mm-hmm. And their egos were not so big that they had to prove that I am the law. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do what I say, and if you don't, I'm going to shoot you or tase you or beat you to death with uh, billy clubs. Mm-hmm. You know? Very cool. But but these, uh, uh, these people that don't have this training coming in, these are the ones that are giving law enforcement officers a bad name and a bad reputation. Because mm-hmm. they came in with uh, with no self-esteem, and the moment they pin on that badge and wrap that gun around their waist, they think that is going to make people comply. Mm-hmm. And if let's face it, if you're wrong, regardless of whether you're wearing a badge and a gun or not, you're wrong. Right. You know, and I do have this problem uh, that I see a lot of things on Facebook, and they show um uh, certain police officers behaving badly, but mm-hmm. I always reserve my uh, my opinion on it because I don't know what all was happening before or during before this picture was taken. Right, right. It's a good point. You know, until I have all the information, I'm not going to make a, a prejudgment. Mm-hmm. But. In the final analysis, the, the the bottom line is a police officer is no different than you or I or every Jane Doe that's walking out there. They want to go home to their families. That's right. And exactly. the fact of the matter is, okay. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was I was just going to go into another question because you've been around for a long time. You grew up before there were pads. What do you think about the transition between no pads workout, no pad sparring, to the pads they they have today? Oh, I, Ooh, I tell nice. you, yes. I I came up during the days where when we competed, we just wrapped ace bandages around <laughs> our hands, and, right. and we taped up our toes together. And the thing about it is, if there was no broken bones, there was no foul. Mm-hmm. And if you want, and if you weren't right. bleeding, you didn't fight. And, and another thing that that I, I noticed too is that during those days, a lot of matches you won those matches one to zero. Mm-hmm. There was no multiple of five and six points because you didn't want to get hit. Right. It hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Definitely. so you made sure that your part, your your technique was straight on, and then you get the heck out of there. Mhm. <laughs> and and a lot of times you didn't see a bunch of clashing. Oh, uh-huh. We, we right. gauge that distance and stay away from people. But now because of the padding, you got people just rushing into crap all the time. And like I said, we're creatures of habit. The same things that you do at a tournament, 
because of habit, you're going to do that same crap in the street, and you're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's a great that's a great segue into another question that we had, um, and that was, you know, your philosophy on self defense. You know, the you know, in this case, you know, between sport and the street, and we exactly. we just now started uh, talking about that. So, you know, let's let's discuss this a little bit more. The um, I remember uh, I had a friend <clears throat> that. Uh, that ended up literally, you know, Taekwondo sparring somebody um, on the street and realized, holy crap, if I don't quit doing this, I'm going to get my butt kicked. You know, creature, you know, creatures of habit, like you said earlier, right? Um, muscle memory, you know, what happens in drill happens for real. So, you know, exactly. what, what, yeah, what are, well, since we've got all three of you here, what are your guys' thoughts on, uh- Okay. You know, art versus I'll what, street versus sport. I'll tell you what happened to me. I, I, I told you that I, I, when I went to Germany, there was no Kempo classes to be learned mm-hmm. uh, uh, to continue my studies. So I, I took the uh, Taekwondo class uh, that mm-hmm. was on the base. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we went to uh, mostly closed tournaments. That means mm-hmm. strictly Taekwondo. Well, I would, go, I would go, and most of these are Korean instructors and so forth and so on. So I'll, I'll get in, in, in the ring and um, get ready to do my match, and in the middle of it, I will pop with somebody with a punch, and I will get mm-hmm. a warning saying, "No, no, no! This taekwondo, you no punchy, you kicky." I'm going, "No, I punch." <laughs> okay, and and mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, when when they threw those high kicks at me, I'm used to in tempo, you know, kicking you right in the groin. You gonna put it up there and, and pose it? I'm <laughs> yep. gonna I'm gonna knock off your jaw strap. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I got I I got disqualified more times because they kept saying this is no taekwondo. But mm. let me, let's go let's go one step further, guys. For those of you who remember, especially those who are listening are older, you used to be able to go to tournaments and you can tell who was a Japanese stylist, who was a Korean stylist, who was a Chinese stylist when they fought. Mm-hmm. Right now you go to a tournament. And I don't give a crap unless you look at the patch and know what uh, what school it's from. They all look alike. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. all true. Exactly the same mm-hmm. way. That's true. Taekwondo people yep. no longer look like Taekwondo. <clears throat> Shotokan mm-hmm. people no longer look like Shotokan. And and right. it's like the the uh, the analogy I like to give is like back in the sixties and the fifties. I know that outdates a lot of you guys, but back in those days, <laughs> when you looked at a car, it had character, and you can tell what car it was. If it mm-hmm. was yeah. a, if it was a Dodge, you knew it right off the bat. If it was mm-hmm. a Cadillac, you knew it right off the bat. If it was a Buick, right. you knew it right off the bat. But look at the cars nowadays. You can't tell what is it, what is what until you drive right. close enough to see the emblem on the car. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well. Exactly. How many times did you walk that into the parking lot and couldn't find your car because they all look alike? Right. 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 Oh, I get crap for my wife so many times for losing my car. It's ridiculous. Because <laughs> uh, I'm and, and, and I'm saying this now. And, I, and you know, and I'm saying the same thing at these tournaments. You can't tell who is who and what is what. Right. Wait, you have a uh, Prius and you kept your belt rank. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God>. Yeah. <laughs> 
wanted the Soto, and I kept my belt rank. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a Prius. <laughs> oh my God. A good wind yeah. could change his direction. He might as well have yeah, sales. I'd like to bring him on because he's an old Texas boy, not out, now out of North Carolina, and a temple okay. practitioner. So I'd like okay. to bring on uh, Professor Patrick McDaniel. Professor, good evening. Oh, yay. <laughs> hey. Hey. How are you guys doing over there? Hi, Professor Patrick. How are you doing? Wonderful. Hey, I've been on, I've been on the road. I've, I've been up in uh, I've been up in Raleigh, North Carolina. We had a big competition there yesterday, and my daughter drove up with me, so we just kind of hung out and did some stuff around Raleigh, and I'm just getting in. And I decided mm-hmm. to call to see what you guys were talking about, and I am, I, I'm loving this, you know. And I don't know who the gentleman is that, that's doing the talking. Who is that, please? Seafood Goldie Mac. Okay, well, I, I don't know him, but I am, I am just right on point with what he's been talking about. I love this conversation. And I'm mm-hmm. I, I, I really, really, really am interested in the part where he brought up um, the, uh, the the tournament competition where everybody just kind of conform to what point karate is, and, and it's hard to identify their style. And when you get uh, when you get in the habit of being such a good point fighter, and then you have to go on the street and defend yourself, what the hell do you do then? Well, right. you know, I, I am I am a you know very devoted Kempo man who comes from Kaji Kempo. So I am hey. going to ask because I'm trying this. Uh, I've been working on this, and I want to make sure that I'm that my convictions are solid. But I have a I have a very good point fighting team. But when we are at a tournament season, we throw down in our dojo to make sure that you can survive on the street. You know, mm-hmm. I make sure that they don't survive on the street. That old kind of Kimbo thing, man. If you if you show me a jammed finger and a, and a split lip and a jammed toe, we're doing something. You know, right. if uh, if you have to sit out for for a couple of weeks because your ribs are fractured, we're doing something. You know, but right. so I, I love this. I love this conversation because I want to make sure I'm true to my students. I tell them tournaments are secondary. We are survivors first. So I love this conversation, and we want to make sure we survive on the street. So out of sight. Thanks a lot, brother. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, you know what? I'm I'm glad he brought that up. Because uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that uh, that we were always taught is let's let's look at some some reality here. What does the military do every year? They have what are called war games, and right, those war right, games right. are those war games are to see what really works in combat and what does not work in combat, exactly. and where we have to and where we have to improve on whether it's uh, uh, supply lines. Uh, machinery, whatever. Now, I tell my students that a tournament is no more than our version of a war game. Right. To see mm-hmm. if stuff works. Mm-hmm. But then I take it one step further for the street. And that is, if you are a female student in my class, at least once a month, you're going to train and I have you come in with high heel shoes on and a dress, and you have to do mm-hmm. high heel shoes and a dress. Because right. when yes. you get attacked, that's part of how you're going to be dressed. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to be saying, okay, wait a minute, uh, let me take off my shoes <laughs> and my pantyhose that's right. and let's get down. And mm-hmm. on top of that, if you're wearing, well. if you're wearing a dress 
and it happens to be windy outside, and you throw a high kick and that wind lifts that dress like a parachute and pull it over your head, you're showing him what he wanted to see in the first damn place. So why are you fighting it? Right. Right. And I do the same thing with with the guys. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to come in here, and I want you to have on some slacks, your street shoes, and a sports jacket. Now let's see you go through these techniques. Mm-hmm. Definitely. If you can't make the technique work in your everyday clothes, then what good is coming to class? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to be wearing loose-fitting karate geese that gives you all kind of flexibility and room. So when I like to tell people, and I have a couple of students of mine go shopping with me, and when I go to buy a pair of Wranglers, I mean, these store clerks think I'm absolutely out of my freaking mind because I'll put on a pair of jeans and I'll bend and twist and turn in it and stretch in it, and if I hear the seams start to crack and pop, I'm not buying it. Why did <laughs> yeah. I pay right. $60 for a pair of jeans that I'm going to get killed in? Right, right. right. Exactly. And the same thing when I buy my, my boots. Why, if I can't walk on my heels or twist on the heels, or, or, or moving move those boots, why should I pay $600 for a pair of boots that's going to get me killed? Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. Nobody's, telling these, nobody's telling these kids this. And I have this real strict rule with my, with my students, and that is I will pop into your school without your knowledge. And if I take you walking in <laughs> the hallway... If I take you walking down the hallway with your pants hanging around your ass, you belong to me. See that? That's right. (laughs) How in the heck can you defend yourself when you're trying to hold up your pants with one hand and fighting with one hand? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Definitely. But but I'm saying Uh, saying these students walk around with their pants hanging around their butts, and they call themselves martial artists. Because they think the only time they're going to get attacked is... It's when they got on the karate gi. Right. And if you have to use, exactly. if your belt is your identification of who you are, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. You got a problem. You mm-hmm. got exactly right. That's exactly that's right. right. And, that's and that's where, great. Where are, great. Like I said, I came in at the tail end, so I don't, I don't really know a lot about this, brother. But where are you? Where do you train? Uh, Dallas, Texas. Oh, get out of here! That's my old home. Okay. <laughs> what's what's your name again? We might know each other. Goldie Mac. I know you. <laughs> I I know you. I'm, I'm Pat McDaniel, man. I, I had the Kaji Kimbo system there back in the I, in the the nineties. I, I, I know I, you. When you when you said your name, I recall the name. I'm having a difficult time putting a face to it, but I recall the name. Oh, I know you. Okay, oh, so wow. you're on Facebook as what? We're gonna Friend we're gonna hook up on Facebook. <laughs> Friend request. <laughs> you you can you can uh, uh, look me up on Facebook at U M A A T C Kempo Karate. U M A A. U M A A T C Kempo Karate. T C Kempo Karate. I know you, man. Goodness gracious. <laughs> That's so cool. This is so cool. You don't know how cool this is. You know? 
<laughs> you know, you don't know how cool this is. <laughs> you know, bringing bringing a you know of the community. This is what yeah, I can't get over how cool this is because another reason why we did this show, you guys, is to bring the community together. You know, the, you know, <laughs> at the at our first show, at our very first show, we told our fledgling listeners. I think we had two listeners that <laughs> that day. That the reason right. why we're doing this show is to bring the community back together. Right, you know, like right. friends may move exactly. away, you know, but then you can come back together on our show. You know, arts may fight amongst themselves. Let's bring it back together. Let's bring the community back together like old friends. And this is what, yeah. you know, when we do interviews, it's like old friends. Well, type you of see, thing. Right. See, here, here's, here's the thing that bothers me. Uh, 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 <laughs> between when I was coming up in the arts and, and, and the kids of the day, you know, when I was coming up today uh, in art and, and I was fighting guys like uh, uh, Gary Alexander and, and, and uh, um, Howard Jackson. And, mm-hmm. uh, Howard and Jackson. All, and, you know, and the Greek, Havana. Oh, yeah. And, and, all these, and D.P. Hill and all these oh, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all, and all yeah. these guys. You know, it's we used to beat the living crap out of one another. And then after the tournament, win, lose, or draw, it didn't matter. After the tournament, we go out and have pizza and beer together and exactly. talk crap to each other. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. I remember those blood. days. I remember those yeah. days. And see, there was no bad blood. Kids, now these kids hold grudges like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. You know, we, right. we, we just sit around drinking beer and, and, and have a pizza and talk about, okay, you got me this time, but I'm going to whoop your butt in the next tournament. There and you go. We'll see each other next tournament. And I may win. Right. And then he'll go, I said, uh, and, I, uh, and he'll go, oh, you got me back. Okay, that's all right. I'll see you next month. You know, great. Right. That's right. That's right. Or I'll get a call, or I'll get a call from BP Hill. You know, yeah. one of the guys, and they go, "Are you going to be at such and such a tournament uh, next month?" I say, "Yeah." He said, "Well, um, hey, why don't we get a room together, knowing that we're going to end up tagging each other at some point in time?" In exactly. Right. Right. You know, and we would share expenses, but they don't do that nowadays. They're, no, they don't. Friendship. It's a different world. Yeah. It is a different world. It it is it different. Is. It, it it was still like that when I was a kid growing up. Like you know, when we were doing tournaments, you know, we would still hug and go out and have pizza, not the beer, right. but you know, he's the exactly pizza. right. He's exactly right. And I mean, you know, you don't see that. we're talking to each other and say, "What did you see coming in?" Say, "Well, we saw movies coming in, man," or you know, but, "Well, let's go back right. and let's hit it." He's exactly yeah. right, man. You know, uh, I, I, I fought DP Hill in 1981. You know, so I know exactly what his brother's talking about. And let me tell you something. D.C. here used to beat me to crap with that stuff, with that nerve on his hand. Yeah. That man was killing me with those weak hands. You know what? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what we should do, you, you guys? You knew you, you knew you were hit when he hit you with that ranch hand. Because that man was going to play you on the park. Hey, oh well, God. you know, I'm telling you, I slid, I slid from my ring to the next ring when I got hit with it. And... <laughs> And when I got oh up, <laughs> when I got up, this cat asked me, "Sir, are you okay?" I said, "Yes, I am." He said, "Well, you need to go back to your ring." You know what, you guys? We are running out of time, so you know what? What I'd like to do is have another show and bring, you know, uh, the old days back together. Let's have a, you know, let's have let's have Goldie and Sifu uh, Pat, and let's all get together and talk about those old days, and let's just Definitely. have a. Round table with that. Let's do that like in another month or so. What do you guys think? I, I, I agree. agree. Let's do these, it. Yeah. These kids need to hear this. They, they really do. do. So that they can understand where we're coming from. Exactly. Right. 
exactly. That that'll be that'll right, be a hey, great show. Goalie, I'm gonna I'm gonna look you up on the book, bro. Okay, bro. All right. Thank you so much, Goldie, for joining us. And of course, Steve Bob, thank you for being the greatest co-host ever. And uh, join us next week. Well, look on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page for next week's show subject. We'll see everyone next week. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.